go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for over 25 years. And through this podcast, Digging Deep, we're going to bring to you our knowledge, our challenges, our stories, and our ideas to help you create the most unique landscape for you and your family. So uh, the challenges, there are many these days. And uh, between the, the tragic and horrible fires, the heat that um, we've endured here on the West Coast, the flooding that's happened in Louisiana, Alabama, I mean, there is so much going on. And so for me, I find respite and serenity in the garden. How about you, Mike? It's the one place you, you, well, with the exception of the smoke, it was very hard to go outside and even go into the garden. But the good news is it seems to have subsided for a short time now. It has. Um, So Michael and I are in Sacramento, California. My daughter lives in Maine, and they are experiencing our smoke from the fires 3,000 miles away. Wow. Yeah, it's traveled across the United States. So we're, I'm hoping and praying for rain so, you know, the fires could go out. Right. But uh, in the meantime, we are rolling around, believe it or not, to fall. Yes, weather has changed a little bit. It actually is cooler in the day and the nights are getting colder and it actually is quite wonderful. It It is, finally. I think today's the first day we actually, I actually saw the blue sky. Um, yeah. Yes, I will say I actually saw some blue and mm. some clouds, and it was uh, it was quite a wonderful phenomenon. It was. Well, I um, I have a vegetable garden, and talking about fall, we're going to start with um, what what to do in fall. And fall is a perfect time for cleanup. It's still a little early, so we're not going to talk about raking leaves and whatnot. We're going to talk more about two different things: vegetable gardens. And the actual landscape, what you could do at this time. So with vegetable gardens, and especially because of all the smoke and ash, you have to understand, if you don't, I'm sure you do, but I'll just reiterate that the smoke from the fires were not just burning trees. They were homes. They were batteries. They were tires. They were metal. So the particulates that we were dealing with landed all over our cars and our gardens. So... If you have a garden, it's towards the end anyway. They're probably covered with with the you know the residual ash, so it's time to pull it all out. Right, and wash it down, pull it out, harvest whatever you have, and then make sure to wash them, and um, because they're all covered in ash and smoke. Mm-hmm. But so I'm pulling out all of my tomatoes. I had a few I picked last week, and. Um, the squash has been done for quite a while. The melons are done. For those of you that, that have um, pumpkins and gores, you're probably going to keep those for a little while longer. But what I'm going to do, after I clear everything, now it's time. The soil has given up everything it had as far as nutrients to what I grew in the summer. And now it's time to start giving back and composting. And if you're going to have a winter garden, which would be carrots and kale and lettuces and whatnot, you need to feed the soil. Especially if you're talking about raised planters where um, you have a finite amount of soil and it doesn't have something to be able to pull from. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of things? There's 
There's compost. There's bags of um, mulch, which is a compost mix. There's worm castings. Worm castings. There's also, um, I have somebody called Carol, the compost lady, who delivers um, a mixture of horse manure and wood shavings. And of course, it's it's been... Um, you know, it's been dried. So you don't want to put anything hot, like hot chicken poop, hot manure in your garden. It will burn it. There's just too too much there too quickly. Right. So um, whatever you use, if you buy it in bags, if you have it delivered, um, after you clear out the garden, then it's time to work that in. Also, if you're not going to have a winter garden, you're going to put your garden to sleep. Now, there's a couple different ways you could do it. You could put in what's called a cover crop. So some of the cover crops are crimson clover. Some people grow fava beans. But what happens with the fava beans, you can harvest them. But in the spring, when you turn those in, they actually put oxygen back into the soil when you when you turn them back, you know, the leaves back into the soil. So you could either do a cover crop or if you're going to put your garden to sleep, a perfect mulch is when those leaves come down, you can chip them if you have a chipper and blanket them with anywhere from three to six inches of, of chipped leaves or straw. What do you do? Do you do? I use I use leaves or straw. I use straw in my community garden and I use leaves in my home. I will say that that this is not my area of total expertise since I only own one horse trough that <laughs> I, that um, that we're, is doing amazing. I mean, we we grew cherry tomatoes and lemon cucumbers and peppers, and I have to say, both all three were a major success. And I, when you said pull out your stuff, I'm a little hesitant only because. Our tomatoes are still going crazy. We probably have 50 to 100 um, uh, ripening uh, cherry tomatoes that are just looking wonderful. So I'm probably going to wait a week well, or so. Yeah, we're, we're warmer here. Um, my tomatoes are growing like crazy, but they're only producing a little bit. So for me, I'm anxious to get everything cleaned up because I'm going to put in lettuce called mash and um, some of the winter vegetables. But that won't be for a few weeks because I want to... I want to let the compost really work its way. Now, let's say you're not going to have a winter garden, and let's say you pull everything out. A lovely thing that you could do is plant annuals for the season. Yes. So dragons and pansies. Well, what's coming up for Thanksgiving will be mums in every color under the sun. Yes, yes. And I will say that that um, the annual color that you get this this time of the year is pretty spectacular. I mean, you could you could keep it thematic and, as you said, do mums, which are in the the yellows and the golds and the orange and the red. Exactly. Um, If you decide you want to do your Snapdragons, those are also they're 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 fun. They're they're just really exciting. And pansies, primulas, all of those are just pretty amazing. Yeah, treat your raised beds as if it was um, a pot. So you could, you know, you could edge the pot with small um, kale or cabbage, and then you could put in snapdragons, and then you could put in the mums. And then in the middle, you might want to put an upside down pot with another pot on top of that full of pumpkins, you know, and branches. So your garden, you know, people complain quite a bit like, oh, we have a garden, but it looks so messy in the winter. It does not need to be. Right. 
Absolutely. And if you have the time, which we all have a little bit more time than we expected since we're not traveling anywhere, um, it's time to really, really get uh, a boost of of, uh, invigoration, not only for the plants, but for yourself through your garden. I mean, there's nothing more beautiful than going out and seeing these gorgeous annuals blooming. I mean, it puts a smile on your face. It makes it, it also heals the soul. It does. And, you know, you could put little things like, um, you know, at this time of year, they sell small scarecrows and stuff like that. And you could really bring cheer to your family. And if you do it out front, you could bring cheer to the neighborhood as well. I agree. I agree. I think it's a wonderful idea because, again, um, in the past, you know, everyone was so busy with all of the holiday activities that they kind of forgot about the garden. But because a lot of the the activities have been abridged and we're not doing them the way we did last year. Um, now you can make the, your surroundings a little bit more, uh, you know, agreeable and, and beautiful. Also, you know, if in fact you are going to get together with family for the holidays, um, it'll probably be outdoors and might as well make your outdoors as beautiful as possible. Yeah. I mean, as far as um, let's say, October, November, here we have October and even Thanksgiving, it's still pretty temperate. Um, I know as you go across the United States, I know speaking with my daughter today, they're in the 40s to 60 degrees. So, you know, by the time Thanksgiving rolls around, it's going to be too cold to be outside, but you could look out the window and something lovely because you can also change out these raised beds if they're raised beds. Um, to a winter scene with with evergreen and um, berries and you know white birch sticks. You know you could you could really have fun and try to celebrate the you know the holidays in a new way. I agree. I agree. I agree. And I'm a very big proponent of Halloween. So for me, it's it's getting ready in the next couple weeks of setting up for Halloween. Okay, now that is an understatement, Michael Glassman. <laughs> His, his second name should be Halloween. He goes all out. Oh, my goodness. If you'd seen what his front yard looks like, his home looks like, it's. I'm not sure how his wife deals with it, but she does. <laughs> she, she, it's, it's grin and bear it. But this year it's going to be since I, I actually landscaped the front yard and it's been done. Um, I'm actually, my theme is going to be gardening, but a little bit different. I've, I've got a whole collection of full life-size skeletons that are going to be doing, gar- yes, are going to be doing garden chores. They're going to be pruning. They're going to be weeding. They're going to be climbing a tree and, and uh, they'll have clippers in their hand and they'll have gardening hats on and they'll all be skeletons all the way around. Well, just make um, sure you don't, just don't make sure you don't give the message that gardening will kill you. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Or I, I'm not going to put after the pandemic. That's that that would be. Oh a little, my gosh, that's yeah. You know, but I'm going to do the skeletons, and I'm going to put lights on them so at night it looks like that they're outside doing their gardening chores. Mm-hmm, okay. Well, you see, so there's lots of fun you can have with your raised beds, and um, and that's something to do with your garden and with your landscape. Now, um, because of the heat and because of the smoke, I too have not been out there tell you my roses are going crazy not just my roses everything everything needs pruning so now that it's finally cooling you could start pruning the shrubs that have grown into other shrubs and the perennials that all need deadheading deadheading means you're cutting off the dead flowers right right 
And that's part of the cleanup. And what happens is when you do that, it gives more juice and energy to regenerate back into the root system, which will go to sleep during the winter as a perennial and come back even stronger. But the longer you leave all the deadheads, you know, the, um, you know, the plant's still trying to feed them. So cut them off, get rid of them. Anything dry that looks dead, get rid of. Absolutely. And start thinning things out, cleaning things up, weeding. There's a lot of stuff. Again, since we haven't been outdoors or you've been so busy that when you actually look at a lot of your garden, it's like, you know, uh, don't beat yourself up. Take one area at a time, get it done, then move to the next area. And that's what I'm doing. Because otherwise you get so overwhelmed. It's like, I God, I can't do it in one day. And um, but and it's fun. Make it make it a game. Make it fun. Um, so you enjoy because you'll find that as you're starting to clean things up, as you're deadheading, as you're pulling weeds, as you're getting a clipping ground cover, kind of separating areas off, um, not only will the garden look better, but you'll feel like you've accomplished a lot. Right. And then another very practical thing, which I'm going to do is as I clean and prune, I'm going to be checking my drip heads because I know I have some that are working, some that aren't, and I can't even get to them right now because everything's such a mess. But I'm going to I'm going to take a day and start in one area and and prune everything and check the drip. You know, it's like in spring and winter, before you put things to sleep and before things wake up, you just want to make sure your systems are working. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is also a good time that if you have, if you find that one of your parts of your system is broken, you can repair it. Or this is now where one of the things, if you don't have a drip system, if you have like a above ground shrub spray, what happens is some of the plants grow so big that they're blocking the trajectory of the spray heads. So some areas in the front are not getting any water and some areas in the back are getting too much water. So it's that time to look at that. And if you still have, and if you have an above ground spray head, um, you may have to run some new lines so that you crisscross and you get this triangular effect where things spray in as well as out um, because the plants are going to continue to grow and they're going to continue to block some of the sprinklers. And some of the sprinklers may have to be shut down or turned down or turned off. It's just time to check. And it's also not quite time, but in another month, you want to make sure all your gutters are clean. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah. And, um, it is scary to get on a ladder. But I will tell you, if you don't, I mean, and it does start to rain, you'll find big torrential sections of water coming out of the gutters and flooding out the foundation. It really is important that that's something that you do. And if you can't get on a ladder, which I do understand, um, find someone uh, exactly hire someone and even though it's it goes oh well that seems expensive but you know what it's more expensive if you get flooding and if you get water coming into your foundation or your basement absolutely because what happens then is mold and so right. um i'm sure there's a lot of people needing work right now and people that are very handy that could do that type of work i'm I'm not comfortable being on a ladder anymore. Um, I have two topiaries that it takes a 10-foot ladder, and I have to hang on to the top of the topiary. So I'm at the point where I'm going to hire someone else to do that because uh, uh, the, the, the thought of what could happen is way more expensive than actually. Oh, it's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, we, we, we don't realize, I mean, 
sometimes we forget we're getting older and our footing may be not as great. And so here you're on a 10 foot ladder and it, all it takes is just the wrong turn and you're now on the ground and we don't bounce. We, we kind of fall and crunch. We call fall and crunch. So, you know, the, start lining it up now, finding people who does what, and um, you'll feel so good once you get to the pruning and the cleaning. I find that, you know, it's kind of a Zen meditation. It's, 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 it's hard work, but it's good work. And so, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And so it's, it's organic matter. And by the time your landscape's um, to where you want, you feel a great satisfaction and you know that it could take care of itself for the winter. And many people from the, gosh, and well, even in Sierras here on to the east, they're going to be blanketed in snow. So when the snow melts in the spring, you'll know that all that has already been done. Yeah, I have to say personally, we I, I I started with the side of my house and I had chocolate mint that had gone to town. I mean, it was growing over the walkway, it was growing into the roses, it was growing everywhere, and it just was unbelievable. And so I took last weekend and I actually, even though there was smoke, I took about an hour, put on an N95 mask, and I started cutting it and pulling it out. And it's you know, what what you could smell through the mask was great because it does, it smells like chocolate mint. But um it was invasive and it feels so good now to walk by it and it's not overrunning everything. See, I never put mint in the ground. You actually had it in the ground. I actually, but I had it in a, in a planter that is very narrow, so it couldn't spread to the rest of the yard. It could only grow in that planter, and which is kind of nice because it gets full afternoon sun, and it was a it was a problematic spot. I did have some white iceberg roses, and I planted around it. And you know, when it's cut and it's it's kept short, it's really a nice ground cover. But you're right. I mean, um, if you put it in a general area where it can spread, it would take over everything. Yeah, it's invasive. I had a client where um, it was a very modern design, so I used equisetum. You might know what that looks like. They go straight up. And it's, yeah, it's, you know, horse tails, yes. Horse tails, very clean-looking shrub. And I put it in a bed that was bordered by concrete, a concrete path, a concrete patio. And wouldn't you know, it traveled nine feet under the concrete to come up in the grass. Wow. That stuff is so invasive. So from here on out, if you want to have equisetum, do it in a pot or a concrete trough. I agree. I agree 100%. Along the Sacramento River, there's areas where you can, if you get out and you go along the river, you'll see the horsetail growing wild all along the banks. And it just keeps going and spreading and, and taking over. Um, it is truly an invasive weed. Yeah, it is. I, I know it looks pretty, but, you know, so many things that look pretty, for instance, high heels, forget it. It's going to bring you back. <laughs> so. Well, it's like the grass, um, the, the um, oh, you know, the, the the one that's kind of wispy and turns brown, um, Mexican feather grass. Oh, yeah, that's on the invasive species list now. Exactly. I never use that. That's another one that you put it in and it takes over and it just it grows like an absolute weed. And it is invasive. It, it takes over everything. It is invasive. And, but actually, it's a, a quite intelligent plant because its little seed heads, which are at the very end of the soft feathers, have like a Velcro on the seed. So if your cat, if your dog, if your jeans, whatever hits it, it'll grab on and take itself to a new place. Interesting. Yeah, it's really something. Other things, um, I know we're not talking about invasive plants, but people think morning glories are very lovely. 
Oh yeah, I it's you. funny that it's funny that you would mention those. Um, <laughs> they're the same thing. Uh, the the morning glory is, I mean, it's beautiful when it blooms. But you're right. Talk about invasive. It literally, if it didn't get cold in the winter time and it didn't die back in the frost, it would be it would be growing over every house, every fence, every tree, everything. Oh, it literally is like a virus. It, it it would cover it. I've seen them go up telephone poles, and then the thing is, once you have it, you pretty much have it because um, they produce so many seeds and they yeah. fall. So it's really important to check before you plant something that looks pretty because the, the nurseries are going to sell what's blooming and what looks pretty but it's important to check what is invasive you know and they say they won't say invasive they'll say likes to travel yeah <laughs> likes to grow well well and and the other thing is is that we're uh, nurseries know this i mean this is the way they do business um they appeal to the impulse buyer and if something is blooming people will i mean you can have five perennials lined up the ones that are blooming are the ones that are going to be sold the ones unless you're you're educated or you know what you want the ones that aren't blooming usually sit on the shelves so it's the impulse buyer that they'll make sure that the things that are blooming are in the front and that's what everyone grabs because they want the color yeah. um and, you know, and, and, and it makes sense. I mean, if something's blooming and pretty, that's exactly what you want rather than, and a lot of times we don't even do the, the, the due diligence to find out what are we planting? We're just buying it because it looks pretty. Right. You know, when you're in line at the supermarket, why do you think they put the chocolate bars next to you? It's and an, I fall prey to that. I have to say yeah, that. Is not, I'll be trying to be really, really good. And I'll stand there by the checkout, especially Trader Joe's. And you see the chocolate bars and go. Oh, my God. I know. I, I know. That, that, it, it's cruel and unusual punishment. But again, it's all about impulse buying. It, it is. It is. And, you know, with the nurseries, um, I find that some of my clients... In the spring, they'll say, oh, my God, I want that tree. Let's say it's a Magnolia Solangiana tulip tree. Oh, oh, that shrub, that's, it's a Rothy ellipsis. Once they lose that pretty flower color, they're just shrubs and trees. And nobody even looks twice at them at the nursery. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Right. And then the, they put it in the garden and go, oh, well, this didn't do what I expected it to do. It only bloomed for a month. It's like, yes, it that's, only blooms for a month. That's what it does. Actually, I don't know many things that bloom for longer than a month. Maybe some will go a little bit longer. Lantana might, lavender yeah. might have a second bloom. But um, yeah, so when you're planning your garden, um, it's important to do a little bit of research. And now that we have the Internet, there's so much available as far as um, finding out exactly what you're buying, what it does, how big it gets, what kind of zone it will tolerate, which means, you know, the cold and the hot and the hottest it gets. So it, it's worth checking it out. And, and I know we talked about this is going to be a two-parter because next week I'd love to talk about um, choosing the certain fall plants for their fall color especially fall color trees. Oh, yeah. You know, when I design, and I'm sure you do the same thing, I want the plants to be like this moving visual tapestry. So now we're going into fall, and all of our trees are going to be exploding into yellow and gold and orange and red. And when you plant, you want to make sure companions that are doing something likewise. So you have... Just the most delightful show out your window. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that way you're getting something going on almost all the different 
seasons of the of the year. And again, and we'll talk more about that next week, but the best time for picking fall color is in the fall because you can truly see in, you know, certain trees and shrubs have a myriad of color that they exhibit, but you'll be able, but they'll go from a yellow to maybe a dark red to a maroon. Um, some may just stay yellow and some may just be orange and red. Um, and you'll be able to tell that when they start to turn color. So that's the best time to pick them out as they're beginning to exhibit their fall color. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. And we'll also talk about um, fall planting of bulbs. So if you want to um, have uh, tulips and daffodils and hyacinth, um, it's just before Thanksgiving that the, all those go into the ground. And so if you order them via catalog, they're not going to, you're not going to get them probably till October. So that's going to be our next show. And we hope that we've been helpful this week with what to do to clean up in the garden. Yes. And, and like anything else, I mean, a lot of the good stuff is like next week of what to plant, but cleanup is really important and you have to do all your preparation before you actually jump in and do the planting. Otherwise, you're not going to have the successes that you definitely want. That's right. And, and that's what you want. You know, and it takes um, gardening takes time and it takes practice and you learn from the year before. So this year we'll start off with a little more information. Absolutely. So I am Roberta Walker. And I am Michael Glassman, and, and we, we are Digging, digging Deep. <laughs> Thank you for joining us, and we look forward to speaking with you next week. Absolutely. Absolutely.